Hey, thank you, Randy. Good morning. It is good to see everyone this morning. Hope you're having a good day and a good weekend and getting ready for summer, all kinds of fun things happening. Um, if you're visiting with us, we're, we're especially pleased that you're here and uh, uh, hope that you will uh, make your way back and be with us again. You know, in the life of every individual and every family and then in church families, there, there are moments of transition. And it's appropriate to recognize and honor and celebrate those those transitions. Um, for three weeks, we're going to take a break from our study in the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to focus on some of the transitions that are happening uh, in our lives and um, individually as a family and then as a church family. Um, and so next Sunday is Mother's Day. And, and what we have uh, uh, been doing for some time now is on Mother's Day, we recognize um, new babies, uh, those two and under that have not been recognized before. And so we'll be recognizing them in the English assembly and then also in the Spanish and, uh, and praying for those babies and for their families. And then the following week, May 19th, we'll be having a bilingual assembly to celebrate and to congratulate our graduating seniors. And so then we will all be meeting in the auditorium and uh, they will have their senior luncheon after the assembly, and uh, we will wish them well and uh, uh, wish them on their way. Um, today, we're going to talk about elders and the role and function of elders within a congregation. Uh, last year, our Spanish brother, Juan Perez, uh, retired from the eldership, and within the next coming upcoming weeks, uh, Charles Ramsey will be moving and so Sunset is at a time when uh, we're looking for additional men to serve as elders uh, for this uh, congregation. Um, our elders at the current time are Bob Perkins, Charles Ramsey, who will be moving on, uh, Jeff Henson, uh, Jorge Pacheco, and Pedro Pardo on the Spanish, and then uh, Paco Perez, Paul Schwepp, and Cheryl Hudson. And so we would like to add um, additional men, but if you're familiar at all with this process, you know that it's pretty dynamic in the sense that it's got a lot of moving parts, right? Uh, there's individuals whose names are put forward, and then as they think about it, they choose not to serve. There's other individuals whose names are put forward, and for various reasons, they're not a, a good fit or uh, they, they don't really match the qualifications as we understand them in, in Scripture. Uh, and, and so there's a process. There's a process. And we're going to begin that process today. Uh, at the conclusion of the assembly, uh, when, you, when you exit, you'll be given a sheet of paper where you'll have an opportunity to uh, put forth some names of men that you feel will be, uh, would be good for this congregation and I have a few more details to talk about that when we when we get there. But but that's part of the uncertainty is because we don't know what names are going to get poured. The elders are not hand picking and cherry picking the ones they want, uh, but rather it comes from the congregation. And so uh, the process depends a lot on the input and then how the process itself develops. So there's a little bit of uncertainty, but that seems to be part of the process itself. But there are two things we can be for certain. One, God wants shepherds for his flock. This congregation is his flock of people, and God wants shepherds to lead it, human shepherds. 
And then secondly, we can be confident that God is with us in this process every step of the way, regardless of the turns and the, the, uh, 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 the twists that it might take. Uh, we can be sure that God is with us in this process. Now, in the New Testament, there are three words that are used to describe the function of an elder. They're not titles, but they're descriptions, and each word highlights uh, a bit of their function. The, the most common word in today's world, at least among churches of Christ and here at Sunset, the most common word is elder. And initially, elder was a nod to uh, the wisdom that comes with age. Okay, uh, Elder doesn't necessarily mean someone who's old, but it is someone with a certain level of maturity, and we would hope that with that maturity and with that age comes experience and the ability to discern and make good uh, evaluations and uh, someone that has learned enough in their own life to be a, a significant guide for someone else. So the, the elder is one word. Uh, a second word is uh, bishop. And that's not a word we're too familiar with. It's also translated overseer, which has some overtones that are less than uh, um, positive in many people's minds. Uh, but the bishop kind of, that function highlights the administrative functions of an eldership. Uh, there are some administrative things that need to happen, and someone has to uh, take charge of those and ultimately be responsible, uh, not only in a financial way, but with property and in a legal way. And so there has to be legally, in order for us to operate as a church, there has to be a corporation, as it were. And so elders uh, who serve in this role fulfill the role of a bishop, someone who is um, uh, overseeing or um, uh, 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 administrating the congregation. The, the third... Wow. So, my sermon might be a little bit longer now that I can read the words. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, just a second. Note to self, David gets docked. Uh, <laughs> Oh, my. The, the, uh, uh, before I was so rudely interrupted, um, <laughs> the, the three words for the ministry function of elder are elder. It really does make a difference. I'm amazed. This is just uh, uh, really um, uh, elder, bishop, and then the third is shepherd. Shepherd. And I think of the three, shepherd is the one, at least from my perspective, that, that really describes the heart and soul of what this person does. Someone who cares for and nurtures the, sh the, the, the sheep, the flock. And so this morning I want to focus a little bit on elders as shepherds for our flock here at sunset. Now the Bible has quite a lot to say, especially in the Old Testament, about shepherds. But it's not even just from the Bible that we get information about who shepherds were and what they were about. In, in the ancient Near East, kings were often described as shepherds. Because that was how people saw their role. They used the image of, because they didn't have presidents and they didn't have nations in the same way that we did. They had tribal chiefs. But they saw the image of someone who was guiding the sheep. And they said, well, that's kind of like what this guy does. And so all the way back in the book of Genesis, we have individuals that are indicated and named as shepherds. And so when you think about shepherd kings, 
Moses and David are the two who come to mind. And both of those individuals were shepherds first of literal sheep. And then they moved into the role of shepherding God's flock. And so there's a very real connection between what that role looks like. But keep in mind, as you read through especially the Old Testament, when the topic of shepherds come up, it's very possible that it's also referring to someone in a political realm, someone who has some sort of political authority, uh, governmental role over the people. But it was an image that people were very, very fond of and very familiar with. Now, they weren't fond of the evil shepherds or the bad shepherds. And unfortunately, the world has its share of those individuals, whether it be bad kings Presidents, prime ministers, whatever role you have, in Old Testament times, they would have been referred to as shepherds. Uh, The text for today is going to come out of Ezekiel chapter 34. So if you want to be pulling that up on your your device or in your Bible, we'll have the text we're going to read. The, The first part of chapter 34 is where God takes to task the evil shepherds who weren't doing their job. These were individuals who perhaps serving as kings and also religious leaders over God's people were more concerned about their own welfare and less concerned about the welfare of the people that they were leading and guiding. And and, and so God has a solution. After condemning the way that they have mistreated the weaker members of their communities and the ways that they have not followed God's instruction, God has a solution, and he begins describing what that solution is going to be in Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 11. We're going to read through the text, and I just encourage you to notice how many times God speaks of himself in the first person saying, I am going to do this. And so the solution for the lack of good shepherds for his people, leads God to say, you know, I'm going to be the shepherd. Which then should inform and guide and lead us to understand, oh, when God is the shepherd, this is what he does. And so when we look for shepherds for our flocks here on earth, then these are the characteristics, these are the qualities, this is the heart of the kind of person that we're looking for. So Ezekiel chapter 34, beginning in verse 11. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. Because the bad shepherds had gotten to a point where they just stayed inside. They didn't do anything. They would hire people to go out and find the sheep. And most of the time they didn't even care. They had been scattered. They had been uh, uh, taken to different countries in the exiles. But now God himself is going to take on that responsibility. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they have scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. This language suggests that that God is helping the people remember those days of difficulty and challenges when they were taking into uh, exile and into slavery and into captivity. But they also remind us of those days when we've gone through 
moments of darkness and dark storm clouds. And we hear that God himself is going to take the responsibility to find us and to seek us out. Uh, Verse 13, I will bring them out from the nations. Some of the sheep had scattered everywhere and were kind of lost and uh, and not in the right place. And I will gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the, in the ravines and on the, in all the settlements of the land. I will bring them to green pastures where they can feed and be nourished. You should be hearing different kinds of, 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 uh, uh, snippets of, of Psalm 23 where David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside still waters and he leads me to green pastures. And that's what God himself will do. I, I, will, tr- I will tend them in a good pasture. On the mountain heights of Israel, on the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. Uh, they will lie down in good grazing land and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. Uh, sheep require someone to actually help them find their food. Uh, at a very early age, we learn how to feed ourselves, and some of us are a little better than others. But um, the, the sheep actually need some help getting there, and so there's this emphasis on uh, the pastor leading them, the shepherd leading them to these places where they can then be fed. I myself, the Lord says, I myself will tend my sheep. And have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. You know, I, I, I don't know if you've ever driven by fields where you see cows or you see horses and some are standing and some are laying down. And, and the question always comes up, you know, what, what does that mean? Does it mean one thing or the other? And, and as far as I could tell, no matter what your dad might have told you, as far as I can tell, it doesn't really mean anything. Some are laying down and some are standing. With sheep, the, the only time that they, they can truly rest is when they're lying down. And, and the shepherd leads them to a place where they feel secure enough because sheep are a little skittish. They're a little bit scared. And, and, uh, and the only time they can truly relax is when they are laying down and feel tranquil. And God himself will take his sheep and give them that kind of security. Verse 16, I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the select and the strong, I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Well, through this text, I I think three different functions uh, kind of jump out at me. Uh, First, the shepherds take responsibility. The shepherd takes responsibility, as God does for his people, to rescue and gather the flock. Uh, the, the, The pronouns are very personal. This is my flock. These are my people. This is the the sheep of my pastures. And so God is very concerned not only to tend the flock that's present, but also to go out. And we remember that parable, the lost sheep. And God would leave the 99 uh, in the hands of good shepherds that he has working, and then he would go and seek out the, the lost sheep. Jesus came with that very mission to seek the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and our shepherds, earthly shepherds, also have that as a concern. Uh, Not only sheep that stray, but then how can we get more sheep, and how can we find them? How can we help grow the flock? So that's one area 
that uh, uh, that, that a shepherd would fulfill with a, with a flock. The, the second is perhaps where we uh, feel it the most. The shepherd cares for the sheep properly by tending to their needs and by guiding and feeding them. Um, God takes care of his people. He doesn't always do it in the way we would like. He doesn't always do it in, in the time frame that we would like. Uh, but we remember when Jesus came, he identified himself as the good shepherd. And, and we see the way, as we've read through the Gospel of Mark, how he cares for people as he comes across them. Uh, the third task or area or image is not quite as positive as we would hope. The sleek and the strong I, I will destroy. I, I will shepherd the flock with justice. And, and, and the reality is that in addition to... Uh, rescuing and bringing other sheep into the flock. In, in addition to providing and nurturing and caring for the flock that are here, one of the important roles of the shepherds of uh, God's flocks are that they protect the sheep. Uh, uh, sometimes, and, and in this sense, what the text is referring to are, are, are the sheep that might be bullies, as it were. Sheep that would prey on other sheep. Sheep that would seek to only satisfy their own needs by taking advantage of perhaps one of these weaker, injured, or uh, uh, less than able sheep. And God says, I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen. Someone has to look out for the interests of the disadvantaged and the marginalized, the oppressed, and those who are not able to hold up for themselves. And part of that is what the shepherd must do. Uh, and so that's why this text ends, and actually continues, if you were to read the rest of the chapter, on, on a bit of a, a harsh note, where God will bring justice against those who take advantage of his sheep. And so those are kind of the three functions uh, but as I said at the beginning, the most important thing, at least from my perspective, is uh, about this discussion is that the shepherd must have a heart for his sheep. He must have a heart for his sheep. The shepherd knows his sheep because he spent time with them. He, he knows what kinds of things they like and what kinds of things they, they, they are uncomfortable with. The, the sheep know his voice, and Jesus talks a lot about this in, in John chapter 10 and then later on throughout the book of John. I know my sheep, Jesus says, and they know me. At Nelson Mandela's funeral, Mrs. Joyce Banda, the president then of Malawi, shared the most profound lesson she ever learned from Nelson Mandela about leadership. She shared this, I learned that leadership is about falling in love with the people and the people falling in love with you. And really, that's the role that we're looking for in our shepherds. Individuals that truly do care for the flock in such a way that they do love the people and they love to be with them and they care for them when they're hurting. They want to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. As someone who's been honored to be invited into the circle of the elders' meetings on Thursdays, I can tell you that these brothers serving as elders right now, uh, they, they, they love this church, and they're concerned about people. 
And as they share the prayer list and the needs and the concerns of what they're aware of, uh, every meeting there will be significant amount of time devoted to talking about what's happening, uh, what can be done, how can we help, and then praying for those. And then very often, if, um, if it's someone going through a specific a health crisis or some sort of emotional crisis or the loss of a loved one, they will then sit down and pass a card around where each will sign and one of the elders will, will write a brief note. And many of you have received those. Now, I don't know. I've never actually talked to anyone specifically, but uh, sometimes I think you might need a handwriting analysis to understand what is actually said on the card, um, depending on who's writing them. Uh, but that card communicates so much more. Before you ever get that card, uh, 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 I, I would venture to say seconds, minutes, and perhaps even hours have been spent praying about that particular situation. Our elders truly do love our congregation. And, and they were part of the congregation before they came to lead it. They were members from within the congregation. And, and, I, and I think one of the important rules of leadership and one that was emphasized to me uh, as we were moving back to the States after mission work in Argentina, I said, Jim, before you can even think about being involved in leadership, you have to be a member of that church. And our brothers and the elders that you will consider uh, are ones that are a part of this congregation. Well, I, I think the warning that Ezekiel gives in the first part of the chapter is, is, uh, is important to hear. Uh, there, there are various styles of, of leadership um, the, the way you lead a flock of sheep is not the same way you drive a herd of cattle. They're different creatures, and I don't think it's an accident that God refers to us as sheep. Uh, you, you, you can't beat sheep. Uh, you, you don't have sheep prods. Uh, perhaps they might be used. They do have dogs, but the dogs don't actually bite the sheep. Uh, but they're barking. But the way that you guide sheep is by walking beside them and walking in front of them and by leading them. Uh, some of you are familiar. It, it's been some time now since uh, he, he came to fame. But uh, Monty Roberts, does that name sound familiar to anybody? He's the gentleman that is known as the horse whisperer. And, and if you've never seen him do his craft, I strongly encourage you to go to YouTube. Not now. After the sermon's over, go to YouTube, just type in the Horse Whisperer or Monty Roberts. See, when he was raised, he was raised in the horse business. And when he was raised, there was one way to train horses. You broke them. That's the language that was used. If you had a stallion or you had a wild horse who had never been ridden, the task of the individual who was doing the breaking was to dominate that horse to such an extent that they, their will was broken. And then they would accept the saddle, and then you could pretty much do with them as you would. He, he, the more he saw that, the less comfortable he became. He, he didn't like the idea of, of beating the horses, or even suspending them and then beating them while they were in the air. The horse would come to the conclusion that I don't have a choice and I just have to submit. And so he began studying the patterns of wild mustangs in Nevada. And he realized that there was nonverbal communication going on. 
And, and he developed this method that, that he calls, rather than breaking down a horse's will, he hooks onto the horse's will. And it's a trademark process that he calls join up. And in 30 minutes, he can take a totally wild horse in a circular uh, corral. And in 30 minutes, this horse that had never had a bridle and never had a rider, he can tame that horse in a way and whisper, as it were, communicate with the horse so that in 30 minutes he can ride it without the horse bucking him off. And he does it by gentle persuasion, by walking alongside the horses, by uh, gently guiding. And I think that is so much the model that we as a people of sheep need. We know that God and Jesus are our true shepherd. And they model what good shepherding looks like for us. You know, it was years after hearing the Lord is my shepherd that I thought about it from the perspective that this is David, a shepherd. And he's writing saying the Lord is my shepherd. I am a shepherd. I am a king. And yet I also need a shepherd to guide me. And so in the same way, our elders and our shepherds also need a, a shepherd. And they are under the guidance of God himself. And they are under the guidance of Jesus as they see the model of how he shepherded his people. This text in, in 1 Peter 5, I, I think, aptly sums up what we're saying. Peter, as an elder writes to fellow elders and says, To the elders among you I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve not lording it over those who uh, are entrusted to you, but by being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, Jesus, appears, then you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. And so as we think about shepherds for this congregation to join with the shepherds that we currently have, uh, I, I would ask you to do a couple things. Uh, first of all, if you haven't done so lately, and if, if you have, please thank personally each one of these men as you're able. Thank them for their service. Thank them for the way that they pour out their lives for the sake of this congregation. And pray for them. Not only promise to pray, but pray for them on a regular basis by name. Uh, uh, if you get a, a directory, you go online, you can see their pictures and you can remind yourself uh, uh, who they are and that you can pray for them. When you exit the auditorium, you'll be given a handout that's going to look like this, Spanish on one side, English on the other. It's going to have a list of two principal texts in the New Testament, in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1, that lists a, uh, uh, that have lists of qualifications or characteristics of elders. And then we're going to ask you to prayerfully submit three names, up to three names of individuals that you might be willing to serve under. Uh, if you put someone's name down on this list, that person might become an elder, and you will then be 
under their care. So don't put anyone's name down that you yourself would not be pleased to serve with. And then we'll ask you to place your name here, and uh, uh, we're going to uh, ask that you return these by May 19th. That's our bilingual service uh, um, in, in two weeks. You can return this page to any elder or minister. Uh, you can send it by email. You can send me a text, and there's the information there if, if that's easier. Uh, once we collect these names, we'll kind of sift through the list, and we'll begin contacting the various individuals to gauge their interest. Uh, once the interview process is completed, we will present the uh, called list or the revised list to the congregation for your consideration, and then these elders will enter into a elder mentoring program. This is a program where they shadow the elders, uh, they attend the meetings, they go on hospital visits, they do a lot of the functions, they haven't been named as elders yet. It gives them an opportunity to test the waters to see if this is something that they feel called to do if God is leading them to that. And then at the conclusion of the elder mentoring program, then uh, we will have a service where they will be named. You know, every time we go through this process, some good men are nominated, but turn it down. Sometimes it's because of time commitment. Sometimes it's because of lack of confidence. There, there's any number of reasons. But if you are approached, please give it serious thought. The elders have such an important role as shepherds of this congregation. They provide spiritual leadership. They give wise counsel. Uh, they even uh, do administration sometimes. But one of the most important roles is they nurture and care for our souls. They will walk, walk alongside us through the valleys of the shadows of death and darkness. And they help us know that we are not alone in our struggles and in our life. And so we need good men to serve as the shepherds of this congregation. If, if we can help you enter or deepen your relationship with the good shepherd, uh, we would love to pray with you and walk with you through that. If we can pray with you for any other concern, you can make your way to the front when we sing, or you can make your way to the back, and there'll be one or two elders there that would pray with you. Uh, please, as you leave the auditorium, don't forget, uh, uh, pray about this, thank our elders, and then consider who might be a good fit to stand alongside them. Let's stand and sing. Trials dark on every hand, and we cannot 